Forbes Books presents The Sky's the Limit with host Dee Brown, the president and CEO of the P3 Group, the nation's largest minority, public, private, partnership real estate developer. Here's Dee. Joining me this week is trailblazing entrepreneur C. David Moody Jr. David runs one of the largest African-American-owned construction companies in America. His firm has built and delivered more than 200 commercial projects valued at $3 billion, including the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, home of the Atlanta Falcons. David, welcome to The Sky's the Limit. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I owe a lot of this to my grandfather, James Moody Sr. He came to America at 17 in 1901 from British Honduras, which is now Belize. He was only allowed to go to sixth grade in British Honduras. So at 17 years old, he left everyone he knew. He didn't know anyone in America. And he worked his way over on a banana boat. And he stayed in New Orleans. They put him back in sixth grade at 17, because that's far as he had went. And he went on and finished college, married my grandmother, wow. had eight children who all got advanced degrees. They lived in a shotgun house in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He never owned a car, but education and opportunity was something he believed in. And I always thought about in 1901, he wanted education so bad that he knew he was coming to a place in the South where it was Jim Crow laws and segregation, but he wanted an education that bad. So that, that always stuck with me. And then my mother's mother, was a sharecropper in Social Circle, Georgia. And she didn't only went through elementary school and worked in the fields. And then in 1937, they migrated to Chicago. And I just think about those stories of just my grandparents on both sides of my family. It just helped me think about, I had to take it as far as I could go because of the sacrifices so many made before us for me to even have an opportunity. Wow. Man, what an amazing story. And, and David, I would say this, to, to, to say that you're living the American dream is probably uh, an understatement. Just the mere fact that you built a massive construction company from scratch uh, that is responsible for hundreds of projects. I mean, it's a remarkable story uh, coming from very, very humble beginnings. So I can totally relate to that. But as you know, there are millions of construction companies in the country. And uh, you have risen to the top and they say cream always rises to the top. So what set CD Moody construction apart from the rest? You know, it's, that's a great question. D you know, I was too naive, too green and too dumb to even know what I was really doing when I started the business. <laughs> and, um, now I finished Morehouse college in 1978. And then I went to Howard and got my degree in architecture. And I started my career with Vector Power Corporation in 1981 as a staff architect. And I always thought I was gonna be the next Frank Lloyd Wright. When I started in architecture, this is yeah. before CAD and computers, we actually had to draw all day. Right, right. And I took, I took a field assignment on a nuclear power plant. I was in the nuclear power division and I fell in love with construction. And I realized a couple of important things. One, I was only gonna be an average architect and two, I really love the action and the noise of construction. So what I realized, there's a difference between quitting and changing directions. Because some people might say I quit my dream, but I didn't quit my dream. I realized what I could really be good at doing for a career and what I enjoy. 
So there is a difference between quitting and changing directions. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. But you mentioned something uh, during your, your comments. You graduated from Morehouse in 78 with a, a degree in psychology, right? Right. And then 1981 from Howard University uh, with an architecture degree. Now, both of those institutions obviously are staples in the HBC communities, right? So you yeah. went to two of the most prestigious HBCUs in the country, but you went from psychology to architecture. So what transpired, I guess, from the move from Morehouse to Howard that led you into architecture? Oh, I had been wanting to do architecture since I was a little boy. Morehouse had a dual degree program with Georgia Tech and engineering. They didn't have it with architecture and I didn't want to leave Morehouse. So basically, I just said, I'm just going to prolong my architecture dream. And in fact, I had been accepted to an architecture school out of high school and I was offered a football scholarship at Morehouse and I was actually going to go somewhere else. And the coach did something really smart. He had a player take me to Spelman at lunchtime and that was the end of it. <laughs> so I knew I was, so. Case closed. And, yeah, you know, case closed. I signed my letter of intent right then. I never saw the practice facility or anything. Uh, and I saw Clark and Morris Brown, everybody was in their heyday then. So right, I right. was like, architecture can wait a little bit. No, I understand completely. And we both can relate to this. You know, it's tough being a minority contractor now. But back in the 70s and 80s, it had to be even tougher. And so you said that one of your biggest game changers in your life was when Maynard Jackson became the first African-American mayor of Atlanta back in 1973. Take us back in time and tell us about that. Yeah, I always tell folks, often people think that programs were set up to where work was just given to you and you were going to be successful. What Maynard did when I, I started my business in 1988, what he did was he made it to where you could get a fair chance opportunity. It was up to you what you do with that opportunity. And right. for me, I took that opportunity and kicked the door down. Actually, Andy Young was mayor when I started, but Maynard Jackson set up the opportunities because before he became mayor, I think less than 2% of the work went to minority contractors in the city of Atlanta. It was just really important that we just had an opportunity. And I always make it clear, there were no handouts, there was no guarantees, you had to deliver, you know, and, and I just was committed. I had a wife with two little kids. And again, like I said, I was too dumb and too naive and too green <laughs> to really know what I was getting into. And I really didn't realize the what it's like to be responsible for payroll. That was just more than I ever thought. Right, in the construction industry, reputation is is very critical and so you've built uh, quite a reputation for yourself uh, known really nationally uh, for the great work that you do can you tell me the importance of your reputation to your business and your success well i think in any whether business or just life in general your reputation is everything but more importantly it's about your word when you give your word you want to be a person who who lives up to your word but also and I'll say this, as, as a minority-owned firm and Black contractor, there also have been times where I probably took some, some stuff I didn't have to take from clients or architects because I didn't want to be known as the angry Black contractor or the angry Black guy. And right. that took some time 
to feel that I had the right to stand up and say the things I needed to say for fairness. And, right. and I think that's a challenge for most of us who are minorities in any business, you know, because I'm I'm 65, so I came along in the 60s. So you got to think about, I was 12 years old when Dr. King got assassinated and all the lynchings mm. and all the stuff I saw on TV and the Vietnam War going on. And we were just taught all the time we had to be twice as good and all those kind of things. So there are some, some negative thoughts that I had in my mind growing up, even though I didn't realize until I got older, would, would I be truly, truly accepted? And that was important. Yeah, no, I understand. You went into business about at the age of about 31, right? And so yeah, what, drove you, what drove you to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to risk it all and open up shop from my bedroom at home. Let's see. Let me kind of, okay, so here's the story. I was working for Bechtel, and I got married in 1982. I was working at Ann Arbor, Michigan. I, I went to high school there. My dad worked at the University of Michigan. He was a vice provost. And my wife's from Ann Arbor. We met in high school, couldn't stand each other, you know, as, <laughs> as the story goes. So I always yeah. tell people, be careful who you say you can't stand. You might end up marrying them. And <laughs> we've been happily married for 38 years. But anyway, we got married. And after about seven months of her parents, two miles to the left, and she was from a divorced family. So her dad was another two miles in there. Then my parents, two miles to the right. It was starting to get stressful over whose house we were going to for Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all that. And I said, you know what? I'm a, We're getting out of here. I'm going to take you to Atlanta where I went to college. So I got a, a job, which I thought was a good job. Left Bechtel. She had a good job and was going to school. We're the same age, but she had to pay her way through school. Two months after I get here, that company goes bankrupt. And it was a small company. And I went, oh, my God, what have I done? So I started working for some small companies for four years. And finally, after four years of struggling and learning, we just finally said, you know what? Let's just see what we can do. I was able to borrow a little money from a bank, four grand. And I was able to get an opportunity with Bellamy Brothers to joint venture with them at Underground Atlanta in 1987. We had CD wow. Moody and Associates, which was a family. My dad had incorporated a company in case any of us ever wanted to go in business. And then mm -hmm. in 1988 is when I started CD Moody Construction. We we were successful in that first little project. And our first contract on our own was $88,000. Wow. Now, this show is all about going beyond the deal. So let's talk a little bit about the Mercedes-Benz Stadium Project. Walk sure. us through that project. How did you get involved? And tell me what it was like working on that project. Well, first of all, it was a four-way joint venture of Holder, Hunt, Hunt, which is now owned by AECOM, H.J. Russell, and C.D. Moody. So we were the four partners as joint as a joint venture as the general contractors. And the beauty of our relationship is that you can't tell who's from which company because we don't break up like you only have this, you only have that. We have we all have project managers, superintendents, whatever other people we need to put on the job, and we work as a team. But the beauty of the the joint ventures I've done is that that knowledge comes back to our company. We have really good people who get exposure and we get to hire new people on those type projects so they can get that knowledge and bring it back to our own company. So I've always used joint ventures as a way to strengthen and build our company. Make a lot of sense. 
Now, David, you've been a part of some really transformational uh, projects, right? World of Coca-Cola, Atlanta History Center, Brave Stadium, just to name a few. But what project are you most proud of? You know, after 33 years in business, D, this might be a weird answer, but it's really not a project I'm most proud of as it is. I've gone 33 years in business and never missed a payroll. That means more to me than anything else as I look back now, because small and mid-sized companies, we're the backbone of the country as far as how we hire. I mean, I've had right. people been with me over 25 years and I think about it, you know, the average time probably is 12 years or so here. I think about those who've been here over 20, they've put their kids through school, you know, dealt with all kinds of other family stuff. And, mm -hmm. and to think that I've never missed a payroll or been late with a payroll, that means more to me than any project for me to be proud of. So as an entrepreneur, I'm most proud of that. But if you ask me from a purely construction, I would say the Ray Charles Performing Arts Center we built at Morehouse College. Recently, we completed the Cyclorama for the Atlanta History Center. That right. meant a lot to me because when you think about it, it's the, it's the painting of the Battle of Atlanta during the Civil War. And here's a black contractor building the new building for that painting. So that's, right. you know, for right. me, it was deeper than just because it was a beautiful building, but from that painting to where we are now for me to be able to build it. Uh, of course, I would say Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Human and Civil Rights Building, World of Coke. Some of those are very important uh, to us and they mean a lot to me for a lot of different reasons. No, absolutely. And David, you've been in the construction industry for a while now. Uh, what are the biggest changes you've seen in the industry over the last 40 years? One is definitely technology. I mean, when I first started, you know, like I said, when I started as an architect, there were there was not CAD, there was no personal computers. We actually had to sit at a table and draw <laughs> all day. When I first started my own business, we didn't have fax machines. Uh, we had just kind of started getting some desktop computers, but there was no cell phone. You still had to go try and get a pay phone on bid day near the place you were turning the bid in. And then your office would call and tell you the number to write in. There was no email. Right. Uh, so the biggest change to me is technology as, as far as cell phones, internet, computers, email, because we did everything by hand and paper. Right. But you still can't build a building but one way. So that's never going to change. You still got to put the foundation in first, the walls right. before you put the roof on. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, I sit back and think all the time to, to myself, and we talk about it amongst uh, friends as well. You know, how did we function back then, right, with, with no technology, no emails, no cell phones? Um, it's amazing. We got it done, though, right? But we've come a long way from it. Yeah, but you know, sometimes I feel technology also has, to me, hurt the ability to have verbal communications. So many people today, especially what I would say the younger generation, they're so used to technology and emails and text messages that sometimes when I tell some of the younger folks, hey, you pick the phone up and call so-and-so and, and solve the issue, 
they look like a deer caught in the headlights because like I actually got to verbally talk to them. Can I just do it by email? Right, right. So, and then the other thing, technology in its own way has made us to me more anxious about immediate response and all that kind of stuff. I'll give you a good example. When I went to college, my parents said, if I don't hear from you, I know you're okay. Because I was 720 miles from home. Yeah. And we wrote letters. You didn't call long distance because it cost too much. That's right. Now, if we text one of our children or our spouse or somebody we're close to, if they don't respond within 15, 20 minutes, we freaking out. Yeah. And we used to go weeks, months without talking to each other. That's right. I mean, even on projects, I mean, you have some projects where, you know, engineers or uh, the client may want you to respond by a certain time. And it's like the same day you could be in the middle of a, a medical emergency or anything. But, you know, it's just now everything is immediate. They want immediate response. Um, and everybody has grown to expect that. Out of yeah. Place. So I think technology is great, but it's also hurt some, too. Because we we just want everything right away as far as responses, and it's taken away the art of good verbal communication skills to solve issues on a project. Right, right. There's nothing better than picking up the phone to solve an issue. All right, David, hang on a minute. We have to stop right here. But coming up in the second part of my conversation with C. David Moody Jr., the founder of C.D. Moody Construction, David shares with us what he's learned along his journey to success. Be present. You know, I'm 65 now. I'm a young 65. And I always tell people I will age, but I'll never get old. But I look back and I just realize how many times I was thinking about the business or certain things when I should have been present. This has been The Sky's the Limit with D. Brown. To find out more about D, go to dbrownceo.com. And to connect with the P3 Group, Check out the P3GroupInc.com. The Sky's the Limit is a production of Forbes Books.